in this look at the book session, we are embarking on one of the most complicated sequences of thought that we've ever run into. And so put on your thinking cap and let's pray. Father, we need your help just just to put together the raw sequence of thought that is here in Paul's mind, I believe. And then we need help to see the beauty of it and be moved to worship by it. So come and help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this session, we are focusing on one main thing. I wrote a 200-page book about this, so let's see if we can do it in this few minutes. I want to understand how that word right there works. Because he says to Moses, uh, God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And that is supposed to be an argument for the statement, is there unrighteousness on God's part? No, 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 no right, no unrighteousness. So God is righteous because he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now, what, what is he arguing for? The righteousness of God in what? Well, in this, though they, Jacob and Esau, were not yet born and had done, done nothing either good or bad, not yet born, done nothing good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might stand, not because of works, but because of, of him who calls. So the basis of election Choosing Jacob over Esau is not in what they had done. They weren't even born yet. They hadn't done anything good or bad yet. Not for anything in them. And then he doesn't say not because of works but because of faith or not because of works but because of love or not because of works but because of the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He says not because of works. Election is not because of works but because of him. Him. That's God. So what he's saying is election is not based on anything outside of God. It is based on God. God is free. God does what God does. Is there then unrighteousness on God's part in choosing uh, Jacob over Esau? And the answer is no. Why not? And then he chooses an Old Testament text, Exodus 33, 19, that says the same thing as we saw here, namely his freedom. Because God said to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. In other words, I will elect not according to works, but according to myself. I will do this according to my own choice. Now, how does that freedom relate to God's righteousness. That's, that's the big issue. So let's go back and do a deep dive on how Paul was thinking about the Old Testament here. So let's read that text in its context. Moses said, Please, God, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, 
and I will proclaim before you my name. So close connection between Moses says, show me your glory. He says, I'm going to proclaim my name, Yahweh. This all caps here, whenever you see that in the Old Testament, Yahweh, built on the word be. I am who I am. We'll, we'll see that in a minute. Yahweh, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. That's what Paul quotes in Romans 9. 15. He quotes that section right there. And notice the connection between that and the name of God. You, you want to see my glory? All right. I'll show you my glory. All right. Well, I'll show you my name. Yahweh is my name. And here's the essence of it. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. In other, in other words, my complete freedom and independence from causes of my grace and my uh, mercy from outside myself is at the heart of my name, my freedom to act according to my own uh, dispositions is who I am. It's my glory. Now, is that right? Are, are we on the right track here? Let, let's check this, because this name here seems to be a big deal. He asked to see his glory. He says, I'm going to show you my name. The name is Yahweh. And then he declares in these words, I, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Does that sound like his name? Here's where the name came from, Exodus 3. Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people, I am sent you. Now, I'm, I'm arguing that this I am who I am as the very name of God is another form of I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. I am who I am. It's the same verbal or in linguistic structure of absoluteness. I am, and nobody decides who I am. I decide who I am. I have mercy. Nobody decides for me who I have mercy on. I decide who I have mercy on. So the, the, the name of God includes his freedom. That's what we're seeing so far. Or the glory of God includes his freedom because Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, all right, I'll show you my name. It is, I have mercy on whom I have mercy. That is, I am who I am. Now, how does that relate to righteousness? Because Paul said, God is not unrighteous to act that way. His un, he is not, he, Paul says, this, this identification of God's freedom is a reason for why he's not unrighteous to elect in freedom. Now, how does it relate to his freedom? So let's let Paul talk to us about that. Romans 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against 
all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What truth does unrighteousness move them to suppress? For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So they are without excuse for although they knew this truth about God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks, but they exchanged the glory of God for, of the immortal God for images. So the unrighteousness of God causes them to not glorify him, but to trade off the glory of God. So at the heart of unrighteousness is the discountenancing of the glory of God, and at the heart of righteousness then would be the valuing of and the acting in accordance with the value of the glory of God. So keep going. We're now in chapter 3 of Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. So God looks unrighteous in passing over sins. Why does he look unrighteous in passing over sins? Because sins fall short of the glory of God. Sins are, as we saw in chapter 1 of Romans, they are the demeaning of the glory of God. So God, in great mercy, has passed over sins, and thus he looks like he doesn't value his glory, and therefore he needs to show or vindicate his righteousness, which implies then that his righteousness is the esteeming, the valuing, the upholding of the value of the glory of God, which is what we see here, for example, in Psalm 143. For your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And these are parallel. To be righteous for God, is to uphold his name and his glory. So let's go back and see if we can make sense out of this argument. Here, Paul has said, God elects. God elects. And he elects not because of works. They hadn't been born. They hadn't done anything good or evil. And then he says, what's the alternative of responding to human distinctives? The alternative is, I do the calling. I elect because of him who calls God. In other words, God is free in his election. He elects without considering the qualities of the person he's considering as deserving or not. Paul then says, is he unrighteous to choose one and not the other in this way and act in such absolute freedom? And he says he is absolutely righteous. No means is he unrighteous. And his argument is that God has declared that he acts in absolute freedom. And he's done it in a context where this is his name or his glory. And then we saw in Romans 1 that his name and his glory are the value that his righteousness upholds. 
God is righteous to the degree that he acts for the sake of his glory. His glory consists in his freedom. Therefore, when he acts in freedom here, he is acting righteously. Now, here's the summary of the argument so you can think about it. The righteousness of God, I'm arguing, includes his allegiance to his own name and glory. That's where we saw it. God's name and glory include his freedom to act without constraint from outside influences. Therefore, God's freedom in election as part of his glory is essential to his righteousness. And he is therefore, as Paul says in verse 15, not unrighteous, but righteous to choose Jacob over Esau and to elect unconditionally.